0: This is broadcast producer Desi Doyan. We're off today, so please enjoy this Encore broadcast from June 8th, 2023.
1: We can at least draw some comfort from the fact that the 1965 Voting Rights Act remains alive. I will
2: take whatever comfort I can well, find. I don't
3: know why I tonight. Wherever I can find it. I got the feeling that something right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair And I'm wondering how i get down the stairs Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right Here I am stuck in the middle with you Yep
2: from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast As heard on KPFK, 90.7 FM in L.A., also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding, on KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast, on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW. Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio, on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets, so on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, No Lies Radio, Verdon Square Radio, and Detour Talk, not to mention most of your favorite podcast sites, which we think we have finally fixed. (laughs) Blanketing Planet Earth. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast. Even though, I should note, the bradblog.com itself has been under uh, somewhat of an attack over the past 24 hours yeah, or so.
0: it's been weird.
2: Sorry about that. For those of you who have tried to reach the site, we're working on it. Thank you for your support, for uh, hanging in there with us. In any event, uh, how often do we get uh, get to begin a show this way, Desi Doyen? We've got some good news (laughs) from the U.S. Supreme Court. It's a shocker. What? And there's more. Regarding voting rights. What? And gerrymandering. What? What? Favoring minority voters. What? Has the world gone mad? Okay, maybe that's a separate question. But all the other stuff seems like undeniably good news. Let's start here. The Supreme Court on Thursday issued a very surprising 5-4 to four ruling in favor of black voters in a congressional redistricting case from Alabama. The two so-called conservative justices joining all three liberals on the court in rejecting a Republican-led effort to weaken a landmark voting rights law. What? Seriously, that's the news. And by the way, it won't just affect Alabama, but a bunch of other states in the South, as noted, and not just in the South, by the way, as noted, this is a very surprising ruling, uh, surprising in a good way, a ruling from our, yes, corrupted U.S. Supreme Court. Chief Justice John Roberts and Justice Brett Kavanaugh joined with the court's liberals in affirming a lower court ruling that found a likely violation of the Voting Rights Act in Alabama, in an Alabama congressional map. The state will have to now draw a new map for next year's election. So what happened here? The Republican-dominated and, yes, gerrymandered state of Alabama asked the Supreme Court to weigh in on the constitutionality of its congressional map back in January of 2022 after a three-judge panel on a lower court, including, and this is key, including two appointed by former President Donald Trump had actually struck down the state's congressional uh, map As a gerrymander and ordered a map to be redrawn that had two majority black districts in it. Again, uh, this, uh, you know, the, the this this court, these three judges, two of them appointed by Donald Trump on the lower court said, no, this map that you all have drawn up in Alabama is a gerrymander, an unlawful gerrymander. Black residents, in fact, make up 27% of Alabama's population, according to the state government, and the state has seven U.S. House seats. Yet, the state drawn voting map resulted in only one. Of the state's seven congressional districts being made up of primarily black voters that were all packed into one single district, covering only 14 percent of the state's population and leaving the other 13 per 13 percent of black voters spread out or cracked as they say, uh, over other districts diluting their voting power to elect candidates of their choice.
0: Yeah. And just to make sure that the math is clear on this. So there are seven Alabama yep. congressional districts and Republicans in Alabama thought that despite blacks having 25 percent, one quarter, 27,
2: sorry, 27 percent yeah.
0: of the population, one quarter of the population. They're only going to get one seventh of the seats.
2: That's it. That's what they tried to do. And a three-judge federal panel, again, including two Trump judges on on the lower court last last year, had rejected that idea, had rejected that state map. They ordered a new one with two, not one, but two black majority districts to be drawn up before the 2022 election. The U.S. Supreme Court last year, however they temporarily reversed that lower court ruling in February of 2022, allowing only one majority black district to stay in place for the 2022 elections until the high court could rule on the full case. So, you know, it's going to take a while. So let's just restore the, the gerrymander until then. As expected then, and as we... Lamented when the uh, uh, corrupted Supreme Court put the lower court ruling on hold last year in the state's 2022 midterms, the redrawn map,
0: the racist uh, map.
2: Correct. That resulted in just one Democratic representative being elected to the House from Alabama which is the uh, same as under the state's previous congressional map, by the way, for the past 10 years, for the past decade, one out of seven seats, despite 27 percent of the state's population being black. And despite the fact that the lower court had found the state's map to have been discriminatory and in violation of Section 2 of the Federal Voting Rights Act, because it spread out and it diluted black residents, Uh, voters in what proved to be a successful attempt to prevent them from electing the candidate of their choice, which brings us to the frankly stunning ruling from the high court on Thursday. The Supreme Court struck down Alabama's congressional map, like the uh, lower court said, It should be struck down, found it to be a racial uh, racially discriminatory with Justice Roberts and Kavanaugh joining the court's liberals, affirming the lower court ruling against the state and preserving, most importantly here, preserving the Voting Rights Act's Section 2 protections against diluting black residents votes, despite fears from many of us that the corrupted right wing high court would, in fact, take this opportunity to uphold the uh, the state's maps and serve as another major blow, this time to Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act, especially since the court had put the lower court ruling on hold last year, which made us all think, oh, man, this is that's it. They're going to go after Section 2 now. As AP notes uh, during oral arguments last October, the justices appeared willing to make it harder to challenge redistricting plans like this as racially discriminatory under the Voting Rights Act of 1965. The chief justice himself, who has long been an opponent of the Voting Rights Act, uh, he had suggested last year that he was open to changes in the way that the courts weigh discrimination claims under Section 2 of the landmark law. But on Thursday... It was Roberts who wrote for the majority that the court was declining, quote, to recast our Section 2 case law as Alabama requests. Roberts wrote that Alabama's case, quote, misunderstands Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. Really saying that lawmakers reading of the law, quote, runs headlong into the Supreme Court's previous interpretations of it. So, for
0: once, at least this time, they're going to hold
2: with precedent. They're, what a
0: concept. I'm actually
2: recognizing that court precedents actually exist. <laughs> yeah. What? I mean, that alone is good news given how this court has violated and overturned one longstanding precedent after another in all sorts of cases since Republicans packed the court six to three in their favor under Donald Trump. He goes on, the the concern that Section 2 of the Voter Rights Act may impermissibly elevate race in the allocation of political power within the states is, of course, not new, according to Roberts in his majority opinion for the court. Our opinion today does not diminish or disregard these concerns. It simply holds that a faithful application of our precedents, our precedents and a fair reading of the record before us do not bear them out. Roberts was uh, part of the high court's majority in earlier cases that made it harder for racial minorities to use the Voting Rights Act in ideologically divided rulings in 2013 and 2021. That would be the uh, Shelby case and Brnovich case, respectively. The uh, 2013 case in particular, known as Shelby County, had essentially gutted Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act. That's the section of the law which would have avoided Alabama using discriminatory maps in the first place because it would have put those maps on hold in advance of it of the map being enacted unless Alabama was able to prove that the map was not discriminatory. That's the so-called preclearance requirement of, this, of the Voting Rights Act, where you had to sort of pre-clear these rules before you could put them in, before before they were allowed to have a discriminatory effect.
0: Yeah, and the reason that that was put in was because prior to the Voting Rights Act, uh, these states these that were mm-hmm. quite racist in their redistricting, they would file these new discriminatory voting uh, suppression laws so yep. fast that by the time uh, opposition could be mounted in litigation that it was, you know, elections would pass and they would win on maps that they had not earned.
2: Which is exactly what they've been able to take advantage of now. Right. By having gutted Section 5. That's you can still was
0: put in place. You
2: can still sue against the law, but, you know, it's going to take a while. It's only after that law has been allowed to take effect, as was the case here. And in fact, it cost Democrats most likely an extra seat in the U.S. House this year in Alabama. Writing for the four right wing justices in the minority. Uh, for happy change, the uh, wildly corrupt Justice Clarence Thomas wrote that the decision forces, quote, Alabama to intentionally redraw its long-standing congressional districts so that black voters can control a number of seats roughly proportional to the black share of the state's population. Wow, that sounds terrible, doesn't it? <laughs> Thomas wrote in his dissent, joined by uh, Justices Neil Gorsuch, Sam Alito, Amy Coney Barrett, that, quote, Section 2 demands no such thing, and if it did, the Constitution would not permit it. Alabama's black population is large enough and geographically compact enough to easily create a second district, according to the, mi- uh, according to the majority Uh, And their ruling on Thursday. Denying discrimination, Alabama had argued last year that the lower court ruling would have forced it to sort voters by race and insisted it was taking a, quote, race neutral approach to redistricting. That sounds nice, doesn't it? At arguments in uh, October last year, Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson scoffed at the idea that race would not be a part of the equation. It's the whole point of the Voting Rights Act. Jackson, uh, the court's first black woman, said that uh, constitutional amendments passed after the Civil War and the Voting Rights Act a century later were intended to do exactly that, to make black Americans, quote, equal to white citizens. Uh, Here were some of her remarks on that point during oral arguments last year. I understood that we looked
0: at the history and traditions of the Constitution, at what the Framers and the Founders thought about. And when I drilled down to that level of analysis, it became clear to me that the Framers themselves adopted uh, the Equal Protection Clause, the 14th Amendment, the 15th Amendment in a race-conscious way, that they were, in fact, trying to ensure that people who had been discriminated against, the freedmen, um, in during the Reconstruction period, uh, were actually uh, 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 brought equal to everyone else in the society.
2: Yeah, and I know I get confused whenever I hear her talk about... I get distracted whenever I hear her talk about the freedmen. <laughs> She's not talking about me, but y- yes, the point of these uh, amendments was, in fact... To make sure that black citizens were equal to white citizens, to say, oh, well, uh, we, we need to apply this in a race neutral way when these amendments were very much about race
0: is absurd. Right. As Justice Jackson said, they were intended on purpose to be race conscious, not race neutral.
2: The Biden administration, of course, sided with black voters in Alabama. Attorney General Merrick Garland applauded Thursday's ruling. He noted, quote, today's decision rejects efforts to further erode fundamental voting rights protections, at least for now, and preserves the principle that in the U.S. all eligible voters must be able to must be able to exercise their constitutional right to vote free from discrimination Based on their race Evan Milligan, a black voter And the lead plaintiff in the case Titled Allen v. Milligan Said the ruling was a victory for democracy And people of color Quote, we are grateful that the Supreme Court Upheld what we knew to be true That everyone deserves to have their vote matter And their voice heard Today is a win for democracy And freedom Not just in Atlanta, not just in Alabama But across the United States Said Milligan, he is right So the court's ruling means Alabama will likely receive a second majority black voting district, which is likely to skew Democratic, but it is also expected to have impacts in other states. Democratic Voting Rights Attorney Mark Elias, whose firm represented the uh, plaintiffs challenging the map, uh, noted that uh, other GOP-controlled state maps are likely to be similarly affected and, yes, will need to be uh, redrawn, including Louisiana, where a case over the state's redistricting map was actually put on hold pending the Alabama ruling. So, again, delaying this justice. Uh, Also, Georgia, possibly Texas, the creation of more majority black voting districts could influence the balance of power in the House with Cook Political Report editor Dave Wasserman noting that it could net Democrats anywhere from two to four seats. You'll recall Republicans currently have no more than the barest five-seat majority in the U.S. House. Actually, uh, it may now be just four because a Republican member from Utah resigned suddenly late last month, citing an illness of his wife. Uh, So, yeah, putting lower court rulings on hold and allowing these unlawful maps to be used last year while all of this was adjudicated, arguably That allowed the GOP to win a House majority. They cheated to win a House majority. I know. Knock me over with a feather. It's a majority they likely would not have had, would not have won, had the law been followed or even had Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act still been in place in order to block these discriminatory practices before the election. As had been the whole point, the key to the Voting Rights Act uh, and its Section Five since 1965, and yes, up until John Roberts, uh, who 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 wrote today's majority opinion, until he also gutted uh, back in uh, 2013 the Section uh, Section Five of the Voting Rights Act. So we will give him some credit for the ruling on Thursday, but in truth, not much, given how hard he worked. To gut voting rights in years past, Mark Elias notes that uh, quote the U.S. Supreme Court's decision today in Allen v. Milligan will likely impact ongoing redistricting litigation in thirty other lawsuits in ten states. Quote today's decision is a win for fair representation and multiracial democracy," said David Daly, senior fellow at Fair Vote, in a statement sent to us on the. Supreme Court's decision in Allen v. Milligan, quote, This was a textbook claim under Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act, and the court rightly affirmed Section 2's role in preventing racial gerrymanders and ensuring representation for black and minority voters. Joining us now is the man who literally wrote the book, several of them, in fact, on Republican gerrymandering, David Daly of FairVote.org. He's the author of a a book with a title that we can't say on the the radio, so we just call it Rat Flipped, (laughs) the true story behind the secret plan to steal America's democracy, and more recently, Unrigged, how Americans are battling back to save democracy. Dave Daly, welcome back to the broadcast, sir. Given all of the times that we have had you on to report on terrible news from this Supreme Court regarding gerrymandering and related voting rights issues, it seemed only fair to have you back on when when something, let's say, not terrible comes out of uh, this otherwise corrupted high court.
3: I don't even know what to say. I mean, I'm (laughs) so used to delivering the bad news (laughs) that uh, all of a sudden I'm a doctor telling you you're going to live forever. I know. This is an unusual role for me, Brad.
2: So you were, in fact, as surprised, it sounds like, by Thursday's ruling, as i got to say that, frankly, I was, and that I think a lot of other court watchers and voting rights advocates seem to be today.
3: Yes, certainly. I think everybody took a look at not only where this court has been going on the Voting Rights Act, Mm -hmm. and Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act particularly, uh, but also on the question of race neutrality and sort of a colorblind constitution, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, principles that are near and dear to the conservative supermajority on this court, took a look at how oral arguments went, uh, in which the court seemed very skeptical Mm -hmm. uh, of, of the claims here. Mm-hmm. And yet here we are. Yeah. Um, so well, it is certainly a possibility that good news can come. Perhaps this court has decided it's, it's gone as far as it's going to go on limiting voting rights and the VRA. Uh, or maybe there's another shoe about to drop.
2: Well, that's what I'm uh, somewhat worried about. I'll get to that in a moment. But let me just uh, clarify, uh, David, when you refer to you know race neutrality and and color blindness colorblind uh, principles that so called conservatives are are favoring here I mean that certainly sounds good oh we shouldn 't judge anybody any of these laws uh, on on race. we should be fully neutral but uh, kataji brown jackson and and the other uh, liberals on the court during the oral argument last year made the specific case on this here 's uh, Justice
3: Sotomayor on this very point justice. Alito gave the game away when he said race neutral means don't look at community of interest because it's a proxy for race. Regrettably, that is what it is in many situations. But the point that he's making turns Section 2 on its head, doesn't it? Because there's no such thing as racial neutrality in Section 2. It's explicitly saying That a protected group must be given equal participation, correct? Yes, Your Honor. And so uh, indifference to racial inequality is exactly what Section 2 is barring or prohibiting, correct? Yes, Your Honor.
2: So, in fact, isn't race neutrality the way it's being used by the right-wingers to uh, make their case really against voting rights. Isn't that really sort of the opposite of what it sounds? Is it's it's actually meant Absolutely. to keep down.
3: Uh, if you look minorities. at the history, if you look at the history of sort of where these concepts of race neutrality and a colorblind constitution came from, mm-hmm. uh, they were really adopted in the 1970s by conservative law professors and uh, oftentimes even segregationists across the South. Right these are the people who only heard one thing that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, right? Uh, The content of your character and Mm -hmm. not the color of your skin. And they then uh, took that and ran with it and cast themselves as the true inheritors of the Civil Rights Movement, Mm -hmm. uh, when in reality what they were looking to do was roll back the Civil Rights Movement. And listen, what Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act says specifically, uh, is that uh, any voting standard, practice, or procedure that results in the denial or abridgment of the right of any citizen to vote on account uh, of race, color, or membership in a language minority group is unconstitutional, right? It says very clearly in there, on account of race. Mm -hmm. The idea that you can make something that is about race somehow race-neutral is a neat trick that conservatives on the court have been trying to play for 40 or 50 years and still may get away with on affirmative action in college admissions next week.
2: And, you know, they they also have gotten away with it to a certain extent because, you know, we haven't had uh, people like Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson who just came out and, and said as much, yes, these laws were put in place after the Civil War. Uh, or these I guess constitutional amendments in order to uh, to make sure that black Americans were equal to white citizens they 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 are not race neutral it almost as if no. we should say so-called race neutrality when we're uh, I would
3: talking entirely about this. agree with that and I would I would also say that we ought to call it the so-called us Supreme Court <laughs> there you because go. because from the very beginning of of, 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 of when these laws were passed, mm-hmm. whether you're talking about the Reconstruction Amendments after the Civil War, or whether you're talking about the uh, Civil Rights and Voting Rights Act uh, laws that uh, began in the 1950s and, and continued into the 1960s, a white conservatives on the U.S. Supreme Court have again and again and again been asking but how long is too long when can we simply declare victory and say <laughs> that this is over right. you can go back to supreme court cases from the 1870s and you have justices overturning these laws by saying well it's been a dozen years since the civil war right. can't we just, can't we have race neutrality now right um, in 2013 john roberts in the shelby county case says, well, things have changed in the South. Mm -hmm. We don't need Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act any longer. Mm
1: -hmm. Well,
3: maybe you do still need Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act if the state of Alabama is still in 2021 passing a map that is clearly unconstitutionally gerrymandered along racial lines.
2: Purposely so, and and I would add, as long as we're using so-called, I would say so-called conservatives. In any event, uh, David Delhi, uh, if I remember, uh, were you at the court uh, for oral oral arguments in, in in this case last year?
3: I was not at the court for oral arguments okay. in this. I was at the court for oral arguments in in Moore v Harper, but okay. I have I have driven much of the outline of this district in Alabama, oh, yeah. and it is one of the most egregious line-by-line racial gerrymanders I've ever seen in my life, and I've driven a lot of these districts.
2: Now, based on uh, the arguments in any event that were made last October, a whole lot of folks were were sort of reading the tea leaves from that oral argument, which we always try to warn people, you know, don't take too much from. But, you know, they were reading the tea leaves suggesting that Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act was likely to be in big big trouble is that sort of uh, was that sort of your takeaway uh, last year after the uh, arguments in this case
3: it was it was it was my argument it, it was certainly my sense after listening to those arguments, mm-hmm. but it's also my sense after just looking at where this court has been mm-hmm. on on democracy and voting rights jurisprudence really I would go back to citizens united in twenty. 10 yep. through through Shelby County in 2013, which uh, effectively eviscerates the Section 5 preclearance mm-hmm. uh, through Common Cause versus Rucho that allowed for uh, you know, partisan gerrymanders nationwide, um, and then the Brnovich case out of Arizona that yep. effectively uh, rolled back much of Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. This seemed like the courts Opportunity to finish the job on Section 2. And in many ways, it's a job that John Roberts has been working on ever since he was a young man right. uh, who first came to Washington back in the early 1980s, worked at the Department of Justice in the Civil Rights Division, and was deeply, deeply involved in the arguments over the reauthorization of the Voting Rights Act in 1982, which on the side, um, <laughs> uh, not Surprisingly, on the side uh, of, of of making it much more difficult right. uh, to 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 prove that a Section Two uh, violation had effect occurred, uh, so that Roberts is 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 on the other side now um, is really unusual. Um, <laughs> and Roberts, in his ruling, is making you know. Roberts and his ruling sounds like the umpire calling balls and strikes that he told us he would be back in 2005. Yeah, I
4: know. What happened? Yeah. Uh, yeah.
3: And that's what's so interesting about this, right? Because, I mean, mm-hmm. in 2013 in the Shelby County case, Roberts was not following the law or calling balls and strikes. Mm-hmm. He invented a new constitutional principle the idea that there was a fundamental principle of equal sovereignty among all of the states there's no fundamental principle of equal sovereignty among the states he was ripping that out of a law that had to do with how states are added to the union and what the process is and then he took out he just dot dot dotted and ellipsed away uh (laughs) The, uh, the words that say this has nothing to do with anything else, including both. <laughs> uh, <no, laughs> you know, so much in of the Bernovich case, yeah. you know, section two, uh, uh, the court invented an entirely new standard there that's not in the text at all. And they said, well, we're going to roll this back and say that anything that was okay in 1982 is okay now. So th- uh, the court has not been above rewriting the strike zone and the rule book depending on which side is it that in absolutely. the past. absolutely. Why they didn't do that today, I have no idea.
2: I have no idea either. I mean, I was happy to hear that he was suddenly concerned about running you know, headlong into uh, previous interpretations of the Voting Rights Act as if there was still such a thing as precedent. So... I guess that's also good news. There is still such a thing as precedent. The Voting Rights Attorney Mark Elias notes that this ruling will have a an effect on about 30 different ongoing cases in about 10 different states. Does that sync up with uh, with your understanding of, of various pending cases, uh, basically? Because we're talking about here... You know, uh, if if we're talking about, you know, two to four seats uh, would have been affected had this uh, decision been made last year, Republicans only have a five-seat majority at this point. So... You had argued when we spoke last time, I think it was after right after last november 's midterm elections that it was in fact gerrymandering that gave the Republicans their uh, that ultimately seems to have given them their majority is that Does that still sync up with you today, and uh, is this going to make a difference in about ten different states as elias notes
3: Yes certainly yes, uh, I think that uh, there are whenever a majority is as slim as five seats. There's lots of different reasons uh, for why it exists like that. Mm-hmm. But um, gerrymandering and redistricting uh, was one of the uh, big reasons why. Yeah. I would say that Demo- that uh, Republicans probably had about a net gain of somewhere between 12 and 15 se- uh, seats when you look at the various partisan gerrymanders and then the various racial gerrymanders that the court allowed, Alabama, Louisiana, Georgia, Texas, and then when you kind of go state by state and look at what republicans did and what democrats did um, it's you know in the ballpark of about a dozen seats and uh for the republicans yeah. um so what happens from here well, we've already seen in north carolina that um the state supreme court there who, who, once republicans took that over undid the ruling uh that had established um really a, a competitive 50 50 congressional map there mm-hmm. republicans are likely to gain three or four seats out of north carolina in in 2024 that will perhaps come out in the wash if uh, if if mm. if alabama louisiana georgia texas end mm-hmm. up having to remap uh, because of this decision but that's still I think, down the line, um, it remains now, to be seen how the court will rule in those cases or any of the other ones no, that, that um, Mr. Lyons is talking about.
2: And, and, and just to be clear here, uh, I mean, I, I assume, despite the high court finding that Alabama got it wrong when they, you know, uh, essentially cut out what should have been another black majority district, they won't hold a special election to correct that error, right? The the GOP simply gets to enjoy their discrimination uh, for another year or so until next year's elections and then a new Congress at the beginning of 2025. So in one sense, mission accomplished here, no?
3: You make a crucial point, right? And if preclearance had still been in place, section and Alabama five and louisiana yeah. and texas all had to pre-clear these maps in mm-hmm. the spring of 2021 with the department of justice they would have been disallowed as racial gerrymanders and violations of mm-hmm. the uh, voting rights act
2: in advance because of Section of them five wasn't
3: through. there yeah yeah because section five did not exist it forced litigants to spend more time and money and to engage in this slow process <laughs> of trying to fight this under Section 2. Yep. And that took longer, and it allowed Republicans to get away with unconstitutional maps in all of these states uh, yep. and to have a majority in the U.S. House. How convenient uh, for them. As a result, yeah, we need to look at the shadow docket that allowed this, to happen, mm-hmm. uh, and that has to be part of the Supreme Court and Voting Rights Act reforms, because when you are allowed to stall and run out the clock and get away with two years of unearned control over a chamber of of of, of Congress, that's not civics the way uh, we all we're taught it in fifth grade. And it is something much more um, befitting minority rule in a banana republic. I would hate to think that that's where we live under this court.
2: Well, start thinking it, because how quaint of you to uh, go back to your fifth grade civics class to think
3: uh, like that
2: in these days. Don't
3: make me start singing Schoolhouse Rock.
2: Oh, man, I know it well. Uh, David Daly, while this seems to be Good news today from uh, Chief Justice John Roberts on the not uh, not dead yet Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. It also seems to, as you note, underscore... His terrible ruling on Section Five and pre-clearance back in uh, in uh, 2013 in the Shelby County case, effectively gutting Section Five. So there is no small amount of irony that the same guy is is you know making the ruling here. You gotta wonder if he himself is questioning his. Uh, ruling back on uh, in 2013 on Section Five. I don't know. Lastly, I got to get out. But uh, David, you know, I, I don't know that anyone was expecting a decision in this particular case this early. Usually, the big controversial cases wait until the very end of the term. At the end of this month, any sense of. What this means for whatever still lies ahead for this court on related issues this term. I know that, you know, some court watchers say that they that Roberts likes to put the friendly aren't they great rulings, you know, sort of up front before releasing the bad news at the very end. Uh, is, Is that an appropriate way to sort of tamp down any excitement that we might have about Thursday's rulings here? Because, you know, we're we're not allowed to have too much of a good time
3: you bring me on to talk about good news and then you just
2: pull the rug out from bring under Bring back yes. Mr.
3: Dark Clouds. That's what um, we
2: expect yeah. from you. Yes. So,
3: I mean, I think I think that there's still a lot to be waiting for this session. You still got the affirmative action college admission cases mm-hmm. um, which were products brought by Edward Bloom who is the, the conservative matchmaker who effectively brought the Shelby County case Mm. Ten years ago So this is is really a continuation Of of those efforts To create a so-called race neutrality (laughs) Um, And you've got Morby Harper You've got the Independent State Legislative Doctrine uh, case uh, Sitting out there And Mm. we've talked about how dangerous and scary that is Um, So This court Certainly could still ruin all of our months
2: all right that 's the important thing i didn 't want people to get the wrong idea that we have you on when there's you know actual uh good news to be happy about let 's make sure every everybody stays dark and worried and grim. As, as they usually do when they see that David Daly is coming on the show. David Daly is the senior fellow. Apocalypse now. There you go. Senior fellow at fairvote.org. You can follow him on the Twitters at Dave Daly, the number three. And of course, his books are Rat Flipped, sort of, The True Story Behind the Secret Plan to Steal America's Democracy, and Unrigged How Americans Are Battling Back. To Save Democracy. Thanks for jumping in uh, at the last minute, Dave. Really great speaking with you, my friend.
3: Thank you.
2: Okay, um, before we get out, I know we're running really late here. (laughs) My apologies for that. But uh, Hakeem Jeffries, the uh, Democratic leader of the Congress, had his own statement about this ruling on Thursday from the Supreme Court.
1: I haven't had the opportunity to review uh, the Supreme Court decision, uh, but it appears to be an affirmation that the Voting Rights Act is the law of the land, and it is illegal to engage in race-based gerrymandering. It's clear that the Alabama legislature engaged in race-based gerrymandering. And they're not the only ones throughout the country who have done that. And we can at least draw some comfort from the fact that the 1965 Voting Rights Act remains alive.
2: Yes, we can take some comfort from that. But yes. the point there, he says, uh, they are Alabama is not the only ones throughout the country to have uh, tried to get away with this. In fact, uh, Dave Wasserman of Cook Political Report uh, says the landmark decision in Allen v. Milligan could reverberate across the Deep South, leading the creation to the creation of new black majority, strongly Democratic seats in multiple states. He says, for now, we at the Cook Political Report are making five House rating changes just based on that Supreme Court decision. Alabama 1 was solid Republican. It is now toss-up. Alabama 2 was solid Republican. It is now toss-up. And two districts in Louisiana, U.S. House District 5 and 6, both were solid Republicans. Now they are toss-ups. And one more, North Carolina 1st District was a toss-up. Now it leans Democratic.
0: What a concept. When you let the people vote, they will.
2: It's crazy. Speaking of crazy and the narrow current narrow House majority... Boy, is that causing problems for them in the U.S. House today? We'll take a quick break. We will come back with that story and our latest Green News Report still ahead on today's busy Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. Here at the Bradcast and Bradblog.com. We fight for election integrity all year around, like no other media outlet in the nation. But, of course, we need your help to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. Please help us continue that fight over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of The Bradcast.
2: Yes, they are. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from brandblog.com. They are going crazy. Uh, Speaking of that narrow majority in the U.S. House that is likely to get narrower based on the Supreme Court decision, hard-right Republicans pressed their mutiny against Speaker Kevin McCarthy into a second day on Wednesday, keeping control of the House floor in a raw display of their power that raised questions about whether the speaker could continue to govern his slim and fractious majority. Now, uh, Des, I know you'll have a little something on this in your Green News report in a second, but uh, yes. McCarthy, who enraged ultra conservative Republicans by striking a compromise with President Biden to suspend the debt limit, has yet to face a bid to depose him as some hard right members have threatened but the rebellion has left him at least for now as speaker in name only says the new york times deprived of a governing majority quote house leadership couldn't hold the line congressman matt gates republican of florida and a leader of the rebellion tweeted on wednesday now we hold the floor he said After being forced now for the second day in a row to cancel votes as they haggled privately with members of the House Freedom Caucus to get them to relent, leaders of the party told Republican lawmakers on Wednesday evening that they were scrapping votes for the remainder of the week in a remarkable act of intraparty aggression. About a dozen rebels ground the chamber to a halt on Tuesday by siding with Democrats to defeat a procedural measure needed to allow legislation to move forward. And business cannot resume until they back down and vote with their own party. Instead, the rebels are voting with the Democrats. The paralysis that has gripped the House this week, an exceedingly rare instance of a faction of the majority holding its own party hostage, recalled McCarthy's week-long 15-round slog to win his post, which required him to win over many of the same hard-right lawmakers instigating the current drama. On Wednesday night, McCarthy conceded that there was, quote, a little chaos going on. (laughs) Unquote, though he insisted that he would get the party back on track. He said, we'll work through this and we'll be even stronger, even stronger. Hard to imagine they could be stronger than they are now. But he also appeared to blame the impasse, at least in part, on his own right hand man, essentially, Representative Steve Scalise of Louisiana, the majority leader. So the House Republican House Speaker is blaming the Republican majority leader saying well, that... Well, that's
0: what they do. They blame each other. Yeah,
2: apparently. He said that he, Scalise, had caused a misunderstanding that paved the way for the spontaneous hijacking of the House floor initially on Tuesday. Quote, the majority leader runs the floor, said McCarthy, <laughs> throwing Scalise under the bus. The temper tantrum from the right had little immediate impact. Other... Than to deprive Republicans of the chance to pass a messaging bill that was all but certain to die in the Senate. The legislation that the rebels blocked is aimed at guarding against government restrictions on gas stoves. Some rank and file Republicans lamented the spectacle, quote, political incontinence. <laughs> Said Congressman Steve Womack of Arkansas, he predicted a major backlash against their party in 2024 if they did not get themselves in order soon. Quote, we are wetting ourselves and we can't do anything about it, Mr. Womack said. This is insane. This is not the way a governing majority is expected to behave. And frankly, I think there will be a political cost to it.
0: So they're holding hostages. This time it's McCarthy.
2: It's hard to tell who they're because it's hard to tell who they're holding hostage because their demands are not even clear. It's unclear what they're even angry about. Gates made it clear, however, that demands were secondary To basically forcing McCarthy to get in line, he said, uh, to essentially make a defining decision whether he wanted to pass bipartisan bills with Democrats or have the support of the far right. Just in case you were wondering how the the folks on the right feel about that uh, debt deal that uh, McCarthy ended up striking with Biden, they don't like it. Gates was on uh, on an interview on The War Room, the podcast hosted by uh, convicted felon Steve Bannon, who uh is by the way not yet in jail. He's been sentenced to 4 months in jail, but uh Hopefully he, he's soon. appealing that and uh yeah, and he also testified this week in uh Jack Smith's uh, January 6th investigation. In any event, Gates was on Bannon's show. Gates said, "We're going to force McCarthy into a monogamous relationship with one or the other. What we're not going to do is hang out with him for five months and then watch him go jump in the back seat with Hakeem Jeffries. That's how the Republican majority is going in the U.S. House, and that's before this week's uh, ruling in, uh, in the, that voting rights case. Has changed the ground as far as, uh, you know, a a number, at least five seats in the uh, in the U.S. House coming up for uh, up for grabs in 2024. Anyway, it's all going well there. (laughs) We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with, uh, well, more on this and much more with Desi Doyne and our latest Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast.
0: The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks.
2: Hey, this is Brad. You're listening to an encore presentation of the Bradcast. Madness. It's all madness, uh, including what's going on across much of the country still with these uh, the smoke from these Canadian fires that Republicans are still apparently in denial about. (laughs) Yes, they are. In our latest Green News report. Avoid going outside
3: unless you absolutely have to.
0: A smoky wake up call for our climate crisis. Saudi Arabia to cut production again to boost oil prices,
3: plus... We cannot say conclusively what happened at this point. What we absolutely can say is that the damage to the Ukrainian people and to the region will be significant.
0: Ukraine dams destruction, unleashes massive flooding and ecological disaster.
2: All of those damn disasters and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment.
1: Wildfires have been
0: happening for a long time uh, before we started talking about the climate crisis. So, you know i i want to make sure that the science is settled before we completely turf our economy and uh flush any innovation we have down the toilet
2: good plan fox news take your time everything's working out great this is your green news report Okay, Desi Dorian, don't get carried away with yourself. We want to make sure that the science is settled before we take any action. And how many billions of dollars we spend until the science is settled cleaning up the mess. Well, we'll worry about that later, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's just more nonsense from Fox News. Go
2: figure. What do you got for us today?
0: Well, more than 55 million Americans are under air quality alerts, warning them to not go outside because of dangerous smoke from wildfires in Canada. Canada is suffering one of the worst starts to its wildfire season ever recorded, fueled by unseasonably hot and dry conditions. More than 400 active wildfires have burned 15 times the average acreage for this time of year.
2: But is the science settled?
0: Yes, it is. More than 10,000 people have been forced to evacuate their homes. Here in the U.S., a broad swath of the Northeast has been blanketed with heavy smoke. New York City officially recorded the worst air quality in the world, with officials urging residents to stay indoors, close windows and doors, and use air purifiers. Well,
2: let's not take any rash actions here.
0: Wildfire smoke is especially dangerous for children, seniors, and those with respiratory ailments, But it is risky for everyone. Wildfire smoke contains toxic contaminants from everything the fire has burned. So be sure to check the air quality in your area and wear a high-quality mask outdoors.
2: Or at least once the science has settled.
0: And yes, this is what climate change looks like. Human-caused climate change is increasing the frequency and intensity of wildfires and creating longer fire seasons around the world. Stanford University researchers found that the number number of Americans who experience extreme smoke days has risen 27-fold over the last decade. In a recent study, scientists concluded that almost 40% of the land burned by wildfires in the western U.S. and Canada can be traced back to carbon pollution released by the world's largest fossil fuel and cement companies. Hmm. In other news, in Ukraine, destruction of a major hydroelectric dam has unleashed massive flooding and. And widespread environmental disaster, forcing tens of thousands to evacuate from fast-moving, polluted floodwaters. Russia and Ukraine blamed each other for the destruction of the Kohovka Dam. U.S. intelligence officials say it is unclear who is responsible. But the flooding has caused widespread ecological damage that officials say could forever change ecosystems. 150 tons of oil stored inside the hydroelectric power plant were swept into the floodwaters. Mm. The reservoir also cooled the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. But the head of the UN International Atomic Energy Agency, Rafael Grossi, said the plant's water reserves should hold for now. Our current assessment is that there is no immediate risk to the safety of the plant. The reactors have been shut down for many months. It is estimated that this pond will be sufficient to provide water for cooling for some months.
2: We can only hope.
0: Elsewhere, oil prices spiked this week after the world's top exporter, Saudi Arabia, announced it will cut production further next month in an effort to prop up oil prices amid sagging global demand. The Biden administration Environmental Protection Agency announced $115 million in new funding to repair and upgrade the deteriorating water system in Jackson, Mississippi. Thank you. Interior Secretary Deb Holland announced a 20-year moratorium on oil and gas leasing within 10 miles of the Chaco Culture National Historic Park in New Mexico. And finally, in Congress, far-right House Republicans try to punish Republican House Speaker Kevin mccarthy (laughs) over the debt ceiling deal he struck with president biden by sabotaging their own bill which was supposed to block new pollution rules for natural gas stoves
2: brilliant the science is settled on that for much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com i'm brad friedman and i'm desi doyan and this has been your green news report (laughs) Yes, she
0: did.
2: That's what she does every day. Welcome to my world. Anyway, thank you very much, Desi Doyen. Of course. Thanks to uh, our guest today, David Daly of FairVote.org, and to all of you for uh, joining us for at least part of your day. It's always greatly appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it anytime for free at BradBlog.com, where, as I said at the opening, we've been under sort of attack from uh, somewhere, I don't know, We're fighting to hang in there. We're doing okay. But if the uh, website is down at any particular time at brandblog.com, that is why we are working on it. Uh, Thank you for tolerating that. And uh, I should also note we have fixed our podcast problems that some folks have been reporting. So.
0: Thank you for letting us know of these problems. And, yes, thank you for bearing with us as we work through them.
2: Indeed. Uh, All of that made possible by those of you kind enough to donate to our efforts at bradblog.com slash donate. Yes, I really mean it. We could really use your support. Drop me email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks, Twitters, and Mastodons, I am the Brad Blog. We'll see you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.
1: She me with She me
4: I'm Rick Smith. And this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1917. That was the day the Granite Mountain and Speculator Mines in Butte, Montana, caught fire, killing 168 miners. It is considered the worst underground hard rock mining disaster in the nation's history. Just weeks after the U.S. had entered World War I, the demand for copper had surged. Granite Mountain, like many of the nation's mines, operated around the clock to meet war production needs. In his book, Fire and Brimstone, The North Butte Mining Disaster of 1917, Michael Puntke notes the irony of the disaster, which began as an effort to improve safety. A sprinkler system had just been installed. The final task was the relocation of an electrical cable. The cable was insulated with oil-soaked cloth, sheathed in lead. Workers lost control of the three-ton cable as they lowered it into the mine and it fell to the bottom of the shaft. Carrying a commonly used carbide burning lamp, the night shift foreman accidentally ignited the cable as he planned its removal. The conflagration was virtually immediate and burned for more than three days. At the time, 415 miners were at work on the overnight shift. Smoke and gases quickly filled both mines. With no alarm system in place, those that could not escape succumbed to carbon monoxide poisoning. In 1996, a memorial plaza was dedicated to those who lost their lives. It details a slice of Butte's mining and labor history that culminated in tragedy.
1: The suffering and the pain We remember
3: to this day The
4: Labor History in Two brought to you by the Illinois Labor History Society and the Rick Smith Show.